Welcome to TVN's Praise Podcast, hosted by Matt and Lori Crouch, where you will hear interviews with some of your favorite Bible teachers, pastors, authors, and Christian leaders. On today's episode, Sean Bowles hosts singer and songwriter Taya Gokroger. Listen in as Taya shares her testimony and explains how your truest calling is found in Christ alone. Hey, I mean, welcome. Yes, thank you, Sean. It's lovely to be here. Well, I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> and I think, you know, hearing some of your story and seeing you around for so many years through Hillsong United, mm-hmm. I've always been curious. So I'm glad I get, to, I get to do this interview <laughs> because I'm like, tell me the story. Like, how did you get involved yeah. with worship? Yes, well, I grew up in a Christian home, which I'm really grateful for. Yeah. Um, both my parents loved music. Um, something that, you know, maybe people who don't realize about Australia, it's actually not like a Christian country. It's a secular Mm. country. So I didn't grow up with Christian radio stations. It was more just, you know, whatever was playing top 40. It was classical music. My dad had a turntable. So the Beatles were playing like a whole bunch of, you know, different genres of music. But, um, But my parents loved worship. And particularly my mom, I remember she was, I was quite young. She was playing the acoustic guitar. She'd probably tell you that she didn't because she didn't do any like, you know, formal training or anything, but she was playing and she would, I think she was the one that really um, showed me how to worship Jesus and the joy of singing to the God who sings over us. And I mentioned my mom because um, she's actually deaf. And yeah, so she, um, she probably should have done sign language a little bit, but um, she's got hearing aids um, and in both ears, and that's been my whole entire life. She started to go deaf when she was um, early early 20s. Wow. It was kind of something that ran through my mother's family, but when we were born, my parents kind of stood and said, this stops it. Our generation, it oh, doesn't go amazing. any further. Yeah, so I'm really well, it's grateful. it's really interesting too that she was such a worshiper and you learn how to worship From really that. to God. Yes. I mean, not for the, yes. the audience or not for, because so many people start out on a stage or a platform and they don't realize what worship really is. And it sounds like you really had that foundation of yeah. being with her. And I mean, what a beautiful example of being deaf too. I mean, she must just so love the fact that they stopped something in their generation watching you. I mean, they are so, I mean, grateful, but also I'm so grateful for them because I feel like I've learned so much about um, the power in Jesus's name, wow. the power of, you know, worship, which is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. The first time it's ever mentioned is, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> but um, it's when Abraham walks up the mountain with his son Isaac to sacrifice him in obedience to what God had said. And he told the servant, um, wait here, because um, my son and I are going up to worship. And there were no songs, there was no church service. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, worship, when he said it, meant sacrifice and obedience. Wow. And so I kind of, I love that I got that example with my mom, that it, exactly what you said it wasn't on a stage it wasn't yeah. she wasn't on the worship team because she's deaf and you know sometimes the pitch was a little bit you know but she's like <laughs> but it's about the heart like yeah. it's it's a, a heart that's connected to Jesus and what a privilege it is to get to sing to him and that's kind of the foundation that I had growing up which is I know not everybody's experience but I'm so grateful for that and well yeah I, I hear that <laughs> I think like going into a movement like Hillsong mm-hmm. and having so much of your career defined by that movement and just the audience of that movement, yeah. millions of people, lots of different countries, but being grounded by actually having parents who are like spiritual parents. Yeah. And not many people have their actual parents or their spiritual parents. And so they're looking for that in the context of a church or a movement. Yeah. But to have that in your home must have been so, so grounding and so foundational. That's so yeah. crazy. So you decided though, where were you from and <laughs> yeah. why did you, you end up moving for music to Sydney? Yes, I um, always loved music. 
I was also really um, humbly I say that because obviously I'm definitely still in the music lane right now. Yeah. Um, but I was good at school as well, which is great, but also can be difficult growing up because then you're like, I don't know which way I'm meant to go. Yeah. And I know my heart's, you know, just naturally pulled towards music. My my father was also um, a worship leader in our church. Oh, wow. Had no formal training, but he just always would, you know, sing on key and he'd come in at the right moment and everyone's like, I don't know how you do it. He's like, I don't know how I do it either. <laughs> Grace of God, here we go. Um, so... You know, I, I grew up knowing that, you know, I would always serve in church, that I would always be singing and, you know, or whatever it looks like, whether yeah. it's handing out the cakes to the ladies because it was a really small church um, growing up. But um, I have to say when I was 16, um, it was such a tiny, like, you know, 20 people on a, on a Sunday was Revival Sunday. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was like very small. Very small. Um, and I think the reason why I can sing so loud and high is just because like everything was in a boy's key and so you had to sing in this like <laughs> tiny little like room to hear yourself. So you like, yeah. ah, I love you. <laughs> so maybe a bit of tenacity in my voice is from those early days, which I'm grateful <laughs> for. But um, something happened within leadership and my parents had wanted to move to a different, um, like I guess what you would call like a little county, just mm -hmm. a, another one. Um, and it meant that it didn't go so well. And I, I, as far as I remember, they did everything that they could to try and make it um, an honorable transition and ask yeah. permission and all that. But unfortunately, it didn't go so well. And so my parents stepped out of um, church community and were kind of shunned a little bit. And so it kind of came this moment when I was 16, um, which I think is a, a, a really, um, you know, poignant, Oh, it's moment. a defining time. Yeah. It's just one of the most powerful times of your life. Yeah, because it's like high school and, and you're discovering, is this my faith? Is this my parents' faith? Mm -hmm. And because they weren't going, all of a sudden, you know, it was like, what do I believe? And is it just because wow. of what my parents have said for so long and like no one was making me go to church? And to be honest, that season for me personally only lasted, it would have been a couple of months because I experienced um, my family essentially out of the presence of God um, in a congregational yeah. setting, it felt like there was little to no grace as well. And I know God's present and kind, but I also wonder if that was um, something that I needed to go through to then go, I actually want to be in a community of faith. And, you know, I'll be honest, there was like one party that I went to in those couple of months and um, I got a little tipsy at a party and then somebody kissed me and I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm a heathen. Like I need, I need church community. I yeah. need people to come around. And so I just told my older sister, we need to go to church. And so um, I'm, you know, one of three girls, but it was particularly my older sister was like, yes, let's go. And she is, <laughs> she is um, such a gift and she's kind and sweet. So she never had that experience, but she's like, uh, we both need to go, you know, be in church. And so um there was this local church that I'd always wanted to attend because they had such beautiful worship music and they were writing their own songs as well. And I just had experienced God's presence there. And mm. um, so I just said, well, you know, no one's stopping us because no one's telling us where to go. So we'll just go to this church. Wow. And it was so poignant for me because we, um, we became known in a community. People knew our names, but keep in mind, no one knew I could sing. Like I, I wasn't, you know, it was a, um, I got to be part of the youth ministry and I had a youth pastor and um, I have my Bible here just in case we need to reference anything. But this is a, um, a message paraphrase translation that Eugene Peterson, um, you know, spent a big portion of his yeah. life translating the Bible into everyday language. And I know not everybody loves it, but. Oh, I actually love it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, I'm a big fan. Ew, okay. Fan. I know. But yeah. it's. Um, that was so life-changing and transforming for me to read that version of the Bible at 17. I wished I'd picked it up when I was 13 because mm -hmm. I feel like for me, 
it brought the Bible to life in a way that I now knew how to apply it because yeah. it was in everyday language, um, which is, you, you know, Mr. Peterson's whole reason for writing it was to get people who maybe have long ago lost interest in the Bible to know that yeah. it's readable at all. It was just the Psalms and Proverbs alone. Like, you just go, okay, I get it. Like, yeah. I understand it. I think it's, we needed that. Our generation 100%, needed that. 100%. Wow. So I'm grateful for that experience as well because um, I started reading the Bible and it wow. started to be, you know, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It cuts through our doubt and our defense and it leaves us open to the Word of God because no one's impervious to it. And so I'm so grateful for that. And in that community, um, the reason why I'm telling you this story is because it was a year later that um, a group of my friends were in a car accident and it was the final, um, sorry, the first week leading into our final year of high school and um, one survived. Mm, and so four of them. I'm so sorry. I mean, you, you're very kind. I have watched God work together, all things together for good, even the crazy painful things to the glory of his name because he's just that good and he's just yeah. that kind. And I'm so grateful for the timing of finding, um, a, you know, finding and attending a church um, for myself and for my sister yeah. because it meant that I had a community of faith around me when, you know, our brains aren't fully formed till we're 25. So I'm a 17-year-old trying to go through process grief and I'm like, oh. And so my first moment um, having, you know, a, a personal in-person in um, encounter, say, at Hillsong Church was at the end of that year, I felt like I was meant to go to Hillsong Conference because a friend had talked about it and yeah. said, this is great church. And I knew the music a little bit. Like um, I love Darlene Check. you know. I Absolutely. Yeah, I remember being like, you know, yeah. six like having the albums open and just reading along and singing oh. along. And I, you know, so grateful because OG, we stand on her shoulders, you know, she's a beautiful woman and loves Jesus and oozes Absolutely. the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and so I remember going, my friend saying, we're going to go to this conference. Um, I think you should come. And I said, yeah, I feel like I'm meant to. Everyone else in my family is like, no, I don't think you should because you've got your final exams. And it's kind of, I've, I'm not exactly sure what you guys call it here, but it's like those, like really important. Yeah. Like maybe SAT. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And really helps you score, you know, whether you, where you go in life kind of thing and your opportunities. And um, I felt like I was meant to be there. Everyone's like, no, but I went anyway. And what I didn't tell you is I sung Amazing Grace at two of my friends' funerals. Oh, and I said, God, wow. I can't sing that song again um, because it holds so much hurt. And I don't know, will there ever be a point that I don't come back to this as my reference point? Yeah. That, that will I be able to move yeah. forward? Will I be able to? Um, and so I kind of just never, you know, it would come on in church and I just couldn't sing it because it just held so much grief. Uh, I go to this conference, um, I, you know, no one knows it from a bar of soap. Like, you know, I'm up in the nosebleed section and um, the lights go down and it's the first night of the conference. And they have these beautiful openers and, um, ah, fully makes me weep. Uh, these three singers pop up and they sing a few notes and then they go down and then these horn plays come up and then they go down and then the stage comes up and they're singing Amazing Grace. Mm. And I just felt the kindness of God in the fact that um, he's like, you know, just an impression from the Holy Spirit. If you can't sing this song, I'm going to sing it over you. Wow. wow. This is my grace. And then I remember just that whole week, I was just weeping, but I just felt the kindness of God in his presence. and. Everyone kept talking. It may have been the worst year of your life. It may have been this crazy thing, but God. Yeah. And um, I don't know if everyone loves tattoos or whatever, but I end up getting that. It's my favorite like verse wow. in the Bible, like, but God, yeah. like 
we make mistakes or we stuff up or things happen that's out of our control. But God, in His, in His loving kindness, in His mercy, in His grace, He does, you know, the crazy stuff that we could never imagine, dream of. And it was just this week of hope, essentially. And I went home never thinking I would move to Sydney, never yeah. thinking I'd be a part of that church or anything like that. Um, but I just had hope and I said, okay, God, I don't know how you're going to get me out of this. I don't know how we're going to move forward, but I trust you and I know that you have good things ahead for me. I went back home and um, it was, again, such a crazy time because everyone was expecting me to go to university. I passed all my exams, but I didn't do as well as what I had hoped, which, again, I think was the grace of God <laughs> because otherwise you'll be interviewing Dr. Tate. No, just kidding. I mean, maybe I would have made it. Who knows? But, um, yeah, I just didn't have peace about... Um, kind of, you know, signing up to pay all these crazy debts to study something that I didn't know if I really wanted to be all in. And I knew that I wanted to sing. There was nothing like the presence of God. And I mean, you know what it is. Like there's nothing like experiencing God in that way. And I'm, you know, again, growing up in a country that wasn't, um, you know, a Christian country. I didn't even know the the term ministry, like what does that actually mean? I didn't know you get Well, I'm sure there's like (laughs) probably no reference point other than maybe Darlene Check or somebody who does music for God. Yes. And at the time, I mean, I know as I was growing up, there was barely any even Christian musicians that didn't do worship. And if they did, it was very controversial for whatever reason. We've come a long way, haven't we? We've come (laughs) a very long way. Thank you, Jesus. So you're looking at like potentially pursuing music out of this place. And I, I do want to go back just in the sense of saying so many people can relate to your story. And and I love that it was when you were young in the sense that there's people, some of us defining things that happen, happen before the age mm-hmm. of 16. Yeah. And the average person who becomes a believer becomes a believer at 12. And wow. so a lot's going on that's really deep in us when we're children and when we're youth. And sometimes we discount yes. that kind of age frame, but your whole root system was being developed for your trust mm-hmm. in God and but God, the, the whole thing. And I think it's really important for people to hear. It doesn't matter if people are 16, it happens then, but yes. the average person that's young Wow. And so to actually start to have mature foundation hits you when you're young, making real decisions, making mm. woman decisions when you're 16, 17, going to yes. the conference when people are saying don't go. Yeah. That's a huge component of you owning your own faith in a real way. And I think I think it's going to become younger for people even because of just how many, half the world's population is under the age of 12 now. So yeah. we're seeing a younger generation. And so I think it's really interesting. But the second thing I want to say as we go into this part of your story is that you know, going after music when there's no prototype, really. There's really no yeah. prototype. And saying, I could do well in school, but I'm going to try and go to Sydney for yeah. music. Give us this story of, like, what was the tipping point that you you could actually make that decision? Yeah. Well, I had a friend, um, which kind of talks about community is so important. Yeah. And um, people who essentially call out the God thing perhaps before you can see it yourself. Um, I'm so grateful there's so many you know, um, key people within my life. And and I hope I am that to people as well. Mm. That we, I would choose to not be, you know, self-absorbed, but I would look up and I would look at people and call out the God thing. And, and, and um, I mean, that's what I'm meant to do. We're a part of, you know, community believers and encouraging people. And because um, we don't know what that's going to do for them and what seed of faith that plants or, oh, maybe that is like a, a God thing, you know, that yeah. God's saying, hey, step into this area. And um, she said to me, it was in when I was deciding whether to apply or not to university. Um, and the other side of that is that my parents um, didn't have the opportunity um, to study at university and to um, have those extra things wow. afforded to them. So I was feeling 
pressure. Yeah. Yes. And and I'm like, you know, my husband and I aren't parents yet, but I'm pretty sure we'd be like, yes, make a very wise decision. Like <laughs> do everything that you can to honor God in every uh, opportunity. And so they were just trying to give me, you know, advice and also the opportunities that they didn't have. Mm-hmm. So they were really you know, saying go to university, like go to get a get a degree behind you, and, and I know there's wisdom to that, but I just couldn't shake. But I love, like, I but I love to sing, like, mm-hmm. and I remember praying um, the year before going to Hillsong Conference. I was at a youth camp, and everyone else that was serving on the in the worship team um, had graduated high school. I was still in high school, and they really um, said, "Would you come and be a part of it?" And I'm like, "I would love. Am I allowed to do that? Like, I don't even know if I can do that as a student, but I'd love to." And it was at that camp that um, a visiting preacher said, if you want God to use you, he said, I'm not going to pray for you. I'm not going to lay hands on you. I want you to use and open your mouth and use your own words to ask God to use you. Wow. And so I clearly remember being getting to be on that platform, but in this moment, just like shutting my eyes and saying, God, would you please use me? Um, it's like, I love to sing, but like whatever you want to do, please mm-hmm. use me. And I giggle at that now because I'm like, maybe I should put some like parameters around it because like I'm in a different country. Like this is crazy, God, what are you doing? But, um, it, you know, I, I'm so thankful for that prayer and for that preacher as well, that it was within my own words because there's something, um, powerful. I'm like, oh my gosh, like God, he's every single thing. And, you know, I so love that in the Psalms, it talks about heart shattered lives. Don't for a moment escape God's notice. Mm. And, um, yeah, and so I'm just thankful that God leans in, yeah. <laughs> when, especially when we ask Him to use us. And so that was a really poignant, poignant moment. And a year later, when I was just deciding whether to go to uni, I had a friend that looked at me and said, um, I think if you don't sing in some way, shape or form, a part of you on the inside is going to die. Oh, wow. Yeah, which is kind of like crazy to say. And I was like, whoa, I wasn't expecting I mean, that. <laughs> Who just heard that? Because it's kind of a mic drop, kind of almost like a prophetic word. Yeah. It's people who are here that might have let something die in them, like just because they didn't go after it. And they're hearing yeah. somebody. Sp- I love what you talked about community earlier because someone spoke to you the truth. Mm-hmm. You have to pursue this because this is part of how God brings you alive. Yes. Exactly. And that's a huge, that's a huge gift to have that self-awareness so young. Yeah. Because so many people were run over and they didn't get that awareness. But God could restore it and redeem it, of course. But exactly. that's huge. And and keep in mind, like, um, it wasn't like you need to sing and be on these crazy platforms and, yeah. you know, because I was living in Lismore, a small country town. It wasn't even a major city or anything like that. It was, you know, an hour flight away or 12 hours drive, you know. So, like, that wasn't like, hey, you need to sing and be Tayer and be Ocean. Like, yeah. it, nothing of that, you know, because I believe. No, it doesn't sound like there's any ego in it at all. No. It like it was just that place of worship. I yeah. Or that place of connection through song. Yeah, and just yeah. like be obedient with who God's called you to be, with where he's called you to be mm. for that season. And that really resonated with me. And so it kind of gave me the confidence to not apply to go to university. Um, I started serving as a youth leader within that church that I was in, started um, being a part of the, um, the worship team and just learning how to, again, you know, just love being in the presence of God and what that looks like. And I started writing songs when I was 17 and, um, yeah, just learning how to put my own expression um, to who he was. Um, And it was a couple of years after that. So I was just working in retail as well just to um, supplement, you know, (laughs) life and living at home and everything. But my sweet parents, they kept just going, are you going to apply to go to university? Are you going to apply to go to university? So I kind of had that pressure. 
And so I just decided um, at 21, I was like, I'm moving out of home. I'm going to move to Sydney to become a signed recording artist. Wow. Which is so um, confident of me to say but having no plan of how <laughs> to like execute that because I'm a worker V type person. I'm yeah. come alongside, let's go, but I'm not necessarily the CEO type that like sets the vision, here we go. Um, and just before that, I had started um, for about a year, I did some background vocals for a friend who won Australian Idol. Nice. And um, and so I actually got an experience in secular music and what that was like. And, um, and I'm really thankful for that because I feel like I got to experience both church, like singing within church and yeah. then singing outside of church. And I, I do believe that um, I always said like early on, whatever I put my hand to do, it's going to be to the glory of your name, Lord. Even if I don't mention your name whilst I'm singing this song, this is in praise to you. Yeah. And um, and I think we need, I think we need creative leaders in every genre, in every avenue. Because how are we going to reach people if we're not actually there present? Obviously, you know, equally yoked and everything else, and in good community. But I just think that's so important. And so in my mind, I was like, this is worship to you, God, and I'm excited. And but I just um. When I was in both those, you know, like I was doing like the step click, like, you know, you do it all, all the things like learning, you know, I couldn't dance before that. But yeah, I definitely practiced a lot. We hope you're enjoying the Praise Podcast. We'll get back to the interview soon. In just a few minutes, we're going to mm-hmm. hear about your singer songwriting <laughs> version of you, because most of the songs you sing in the past that you're known for were actually written for you or you're a compilation of people writing it. But yeah. now this is your first project. But before we go there, we just left off yes. in how you had just moved to Sydney. Yeah. You had done some background work with American Idol with one of the singers that was competing. Mm-hmm. And then you were also, I believe, going to be pursuing one of these mainstream, like The Voice outlet yes. yourself. Yes. Tell us about this. Yeah, so um, I had the experience between secular music and just singing within church. And um for me personally, I, you know, I wasn't even co-leading at that time within um, our local church that I found myself okay. in Sydney. It ended up being a Hillsong um, city campus, not the main one, but the other one. And it's a little dingy, but I kind of love it like that. <laughs> it's in a warehouse. And um, and I just couldn't reconcile. There was a difference and it, it was obviously the presence of God. And I think God was just drawing me saying, hey, this is, you know, um, where I want you. Wow. But I just, again, I you know, was thinking it was still secular music. So I tried out for The Voice, got right through just to the audition just before it went on TV. Um, they said, you did a great job. Um, we'll call you in two weeks. I played like my originals, like they loved it. And I kind of like, you know, went there like, this is me as an artist, like was wearing similar pants, like just, you know, doing the whole thing. And they said, it was amazing. You killed it. We'll call you in two weeks. Then I prayed because my friend said, if you do this, everything will change. Either way, I support you, but you need to know that things will change. And I freaked out at change. Um, so I prayed. I said, God, if this is what you want me to do, open the door. If it's not, please shut the door. And I got filled with peace. And so I didn't worry about it again. About a week later, I got forced to go on um, a, a holiday from my retail job that I was in because it was coming up to Christmas. You can't take any time. So then I tried to fly home to see my family. Um, the Prices were too high. So I tried to get another week off, um, just a different time. I said, no, it has to be this week. So I was forced and stuck to be in Sydney for a week that I didn't want as like a holiday. There's worse places I know. So 
I'll take that burden. And it was on the um, first day of my holiday that I get a text message from Michael Guy Chislett, who is our guitarist and producer, now that I know this, of United. And he said, hey, would you come in to do BVs, like background vocals, um, on one of the United projects, the latest one that we're doing? And I said, well, actually, I can because I'm... I'm not doing anything. Yeah. I'm, on, I'm on a holiday. I would love to. So I came in and, um, you know, sang something and they said, just sing along. But I'm looking and I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is a melody, but I was just singing. I was like, yeah, I can do that. So that became um, A Million Sons, which is a track on the yeah. Zion record. Then, but I, I didn't know that at the time. And then I came back the next day. I learned this song that they had just finished. It was the last one, the first one they were working on, the last one that they finished. And I, you know, learnt the verse, went into the studio, sang it, learnt the chorus, sang it, learnt the bridge, sang it, and then I got a few times just to sing it, you know, free worship and all that. And then they were like, yeah, that, that was amazing. Like, we loved it. Um, thank you so much. And I was like, cool, <laughs> thanks for having me. I'm going to tell two people that I did that because I don't want to be the person, like, if the album comes out they and they're just like, ah, this song didn't make it, sorry. <laughs> Which I didn't want to be that person. So I was like, ah, tell, like, my sister, my good friend, and that's it. And um, that same week, I got randomly asked to go and start um, worship leading at one of our other youth campuses um, for the Friday night service. And then um, Ben Fielding was worship leading in the city campus. He's an amazing, um, good friend of mine now as well, but an amazing worship leader and singer-songwriter within our church. And um, they asked me to be his co-worship leader for that weekend and said, we'd love you to start leading um, within big church. Wow. And that was all in one week. Wow. And so I was like, um, I think God is saying, this is the direction I would like you to go in. Now, did and it feel like a surrender? <laughs> or did it feel like uh, more like a settledness? Because like one is like, I have to give up yeah. this whole career for this. Or did it feel like, no, this is what I want? I think it was more the settledness. Yeah. I think because, you know, when I when you say yes to Jesus. Um, it's everything. Yeah. And it, yeah. there's no, you can, it's all access. It's not. Oswald Chambers, um, one of my like favorite devotionals, um, my utmost for his highest, he talks about it, that so many of us get saved and then we stand at the way of salvation, mm -hmm. which is like the narrow road, and we spend our whole life there. We don't actually allow God to take us where he wants wow. us to go and shape us and mold us and do whatever he wants. Yeah. And I've come to know that when you surrender to Jesus and you let him do everything, um, and again, like, don't get me wrong, like I'm human, this is, <laughs> this is the everyday process of, yeah have you way, God, and many times of repenting when I haven't done that or I've tried to hold on to something. But the, what he does with our yes is he does, just like, you know, say with tithes, he does so much more with that 10% than we could ever do. Absolutely. Beyond anything, if we had the 100% or, you know, honoring God in that way, if we do it with our lives, like he will do far exceedingly more than you ever ask, think or imagine. Like it says in Ephesians 3.20, like that's the example of my life. I hope that at the end of my life, people would go, I said yes to Jesus because I saw this, you know, yeah, this. Yeah. That's like one of my life verses. Yeah. And I think oh. I hear that in your story where it's like, you got a God result because you gave me your process. Yeah. And that's what so many Christians don't do. We don't surrender our process. So we think I want this and the goal is music, but we define mm -hmm. it. Yeah. We think dreaming is to define our own dreams versus yeah. to dream with God. And so yeah. I love that you were so surrendered to the, the God you can have the whatever voice, you whatever you want. <laughs> it sounds like it's going to go well. It could go and well. Who knows? God, you can have this with worship. You can whatever you want. Yeah. And then you end up in this incredible journey that you wouldn't have even known how to pick for yourself, mm -mm. which I think is that's the life we want. Whether we're a business person, whether we're 
a musician, whether we're a mom, it, we want yeah. we want the life that God would pick for us. And, and that's what God does he, is he adds value, right, to our mm -hmm. life. And so I just want to remind everybody who's watching that God wants to add a lot of value to your life. As Sarah's talking, I can feel like some of you haven't surrendered your life yet. So you're hearing yeah. the story and going, wow, she's saying oceans, which you know we talked about earlier, was on the billboards for 61 weeks. That's crazy for a Christian song to be on for that long. Yeah. And some of the, the, the yes in her heart that led her into nations and into places and occupation, that you wouldn't have been in without saying yes to God. And when we say yes to God and don't just say, God, you can you can have part of my life, but we say, you can have it all, God. Mm -hmm. This is what happens. And I don't mm -hmm. want to exaggerate what can happen for you, but Ephesians 3.20 is pretty specific. Yeah. I'm just yeah. beyond what you can hope for or imagine. So I love that you yeah. use that. Well, take us on the journey. So you, you recorded those, those yeah. songs, mm -hmm. you start leading, and when did you realize yeah. this is a big deal? Um, it would have been one month later, um, another person within our you know, community of faith um, encouraged me. She was the youth leader um, above me in, in youth ministry. And she said, have you thought about ministry? And it was so random out of the blue. She didn't know anything because I only told two people about, yeah. you know, being in the studio with them. And um, I said, no, like I will always serve in church. I don't believe in just being planted and just being stagnant, say, you know, eating, eating on all this great teaching and everything else and then not. Yeah. We're meant to be have rivers of living water flowing on the inside. We're not meant to just hoard things for ourselves, but, you know, through our lives, like we've got to be pipes that the Lord can <laughs> flow through completely, yes. you know. Yes. He's dealing with the blockages. Um, we're all human. But so I said I would always serve in church, but not like I would never work at a church. Like I don't know how that would work. She said, don't box God. Just because it looks like this um, for this worship leader doesn't mean it has to look like that for you. And just because it looks like this for this worship leader doesn't mean it has to so look good. like that for you. And I was kind of like shocked by that part of like don't box God. And yeah. I'm like, oh, I, I don't want to box God. I want him to have complete access and to do whatever he wants. Because, again, he does pretty amazing things yeah. and he does things better than how I could imagine it to look. And so I said, okay. So I just took that on in my heart, didn't really know where to take it from there and Two months later, um, it was early February 2013, and I was still working in retail, um, hadn't heard anything about the album. Our global creative pastor, Cass, said, I'd love to have lunch with you. I should have known that that was a big poignant moment, but I just was like, <laughs> this is so nice. Like, yeah. I would love that. And then I ended up, you know, rocking up an hour late to the lunch because I was in retail and I was at the mercy of whatever the flow, traffic flow was. And they're like, you can go now. I'm like, oh, and I'm like, I'm so sorry to keep you waiting. I was shocked that you're still here. And she's like, no, no, we had to wait. And it's good that we're here. And um, she said, would you quit your job? And, um, and keep in mind, I had like half an hour for this like lunch yeah. break. So she was like straight in. I said, yes, I work, <laughs> I work in retail. I'd quit my job. She said, would you quit it today? And I was like, yeah. I was like, why? And she said, because um, we'd love you to come on staff looking after the wow. vocals at the city campus, but you have to quit today because you're going to be in South Africa next week with the United Boys for the Zion tour. Wow. It was instant. It, like literally. And I was like, ah. Uh, and then I start rattling off like I haven't had singing lessons. I didn't actually go to college. I haven't even been to Bible college. <laughs> I was just like, like, are you sure? You like, named <laughs> all the reasons <laughs> yeah. why you shouldn't be the one. <laughs> you, can, you can step out there. And she's like, no. She's like, wow. yes. And so then I'm just like crying. They hadn't the even best. given you feedback to tell you how mm -mm. you did. Or they, you didn't I, listen I didn't to the track. Know, I was like, you didn't even know I, that even, you were on I didn't even hear the track till we wow. started rehearsing very quickly the next week. And then we were off into South Africa. And, and she just added at the end, um, do you have any dates? Like, do you have like six months on your passport? Because <laughs> that's also the yeah. prerequisite that you could leave the country. And I was like, yes, I actually have a passport that's valid. And she's like, great. It's locked in. So... 
Yeah, it, That's it's stunning. it's been a crazy wow. zero to one hundred um, type of journey, but at the same time, you know, you talk about stewarding other people's songs that they have laboured over, and I count it such a privilege because mm-hmm. that song became a prayer, and I feel like God like made me sing it time and time again. Um, and being forced to be in the presence of God night after night when you're leading worship, it, what a beautiful place mm-hmm. to be in. And when I would feel disqualified or um, unqualified, I'm singing a prayer of like, but I, I trust you. Even, even in places where feet may fail, um, I'm, you're calling me out and you're asking me to trust you to the point where like I have nothing that like is safe, there's no harbour. Like, yeah. And I, I just think it's such a gift that, I got to steward that song because it was speaking to my own heart about what surrender really is because I was having to live this, you know, who am I to to, to be on platforms that I didn't build and who am I to um, lead people who are probably far more qualified than I am. Like there were so many moments where I had to, you know, be reminded but also be so thankful that these were the, these were the words I would declare in faith mm-hmm. even if I didn't feel it yet. And um and to hear how that song has encouraged other people and like it's I mean you could you could never imagine that stuff and it's so no. humbling and lovely. Your heart in it too. I just think I, w- I want to draw attention to the fact that you went from retail singing in <laughs> I was church really of good twenty at here, okay. singing a few times on campuses, <laughs> mm-hmm. to singing in auditoriums with thousands of people, and uh, actually like not as a background singer. No. And, and this is where your heart was. So I love that our audience gets to hear where your heart was because I feel like one of the special things that's come through Hillsong as a movement is the worship. And, one, and we're getting to hear one of the, one of the components yeah. of that, which is your sharing vulnerably as far as like, this is where I've been trying to be in my heart and what mm-hmm. I've been, this is what I've experienced. My experience was, because you can tell when someone's performing and you can tell when someone's worshiping. It's very different. It's okay to perform when you're in a yeah. performance environment, but this was not mm-hmm. supposed to be a performance environment. It's supposed to be a worship environment. Mm-hmm. And so, and I've seen that. Like when I've seen the videos, I've only seen the lives. I've never been with you live. Um, I've only seen the, the <laughs> live videos and stuff. I know exactly. <laughs> and, but I've seen I've seen the difference, and I've I've loved that. So it's so. I hate the word refreshing because it sounds so Christiany, but it's so refreshing mm-hmm. to hear like this place of like surrender and connection and like and also the story of like. You didn't know you were going to be there that next no. year. All of a sudden, you're in front of everybody and doing this. How vulnerable was that? Did it feel did it feel like supernatural, or did it feel like I don't know how I'm here? Like this is like yeah. I'm uncomfortable. Did you feel like imposter syndrome, or did you feel like no, this is where God has me, or both? I f- I feel like well, I'm I'm human, so I feel like a bit of both. Yeah. You know that I will never forget that flight over to South Africa, and um, you know, I inherited 14 older brothers. I oh, don't wow. I don't have any. I think I've got. You were two- the only girl. I was the only girl. like, and the Lord's like, you've always wanted brothers. You yeah, I'm one of three girls. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I would have like two older brothers in heaven. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, Mom had like two miscarriages, and I used to always be like, you know, it's gonna be brothers because I've always wanted brothers, an older one and a younger one. Sorry. So then I feel like it was God's kindness. Like you get 14. Wow. And they're gonna be so protective, and they're gonna be hilarious, and they're gonna not let you take yourself too seriously. Um, and I'll never forget JD, who became such a brother to me that he actually married my husband and I, oh, so which is special. really sweet. That's and he's so just legit and the best. And he looked at me on that flight and he would turn around and there I am with all the lyrics, like even trying to relearn oceans, like yeah. memorize everything. And I was like, I'm not good. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then he's like, you better be learning bones. You better be learning aftermath. And he was just trying to like, you know, Go yeah, a hundred percent. And I was like, 
I was like, please don't. Like, I'm so nervous. Like, please don't. And um, we had our first worship night in Joburg, in Johannesburg, in South Africa. Cities, yeah. Yes. I mean, the people, culture, bustling. The South like, Africa just, in, yeah. in general. It's like everybody's in South Africa. Yeah. Oh, it's really special. There's a desperation there that I feel like yeah. God's like, they got faith and so I'm coming. It'll impact the whole continent one day. Amen yeah. to that. I mean, I feel like it already yeah, is. Yeah, it already is. But I mean, a whole other Young world. ladies. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so we had our second night in Joburg as well. And that's when Joel kind of leaned over and was like, hey, we should try Oceans tonight. Keep in mind, the album hadn't come out. Yeah. No one's heard the song. And um, I'm nervous as anything, just like, Hopefully I like remember the lyrics, like yeah. the melody, everything. And the weirdest thing happened, they press play um, like to the tracks and we're also playing live as well. And the cello kind of starts and um, people erupt in just like praise. This is like, like a massive cheer and just like, but it's just like, they don't know the song. They, they don't know, know really. this. They don't know anything. This is spontaneous. Spontaneous and it's been kind of weird how it's continued to do that from that day. Wow. And I, it was crazy. And then God kind of just took over, which I'm so grateful for. Had this free worship moment and we're all just like, what was that? And we get off platform and we're just like, that was really weird. <laughs> did someone leak the album? Like, how did people know? Like, and just, it was felt very just kind of God to show up in that way. And um, yeah, and unfortunately, I, I mean, not unfortunately, it's actually, I'm very grateful for the song, but hilarious that we haven't stopped playing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I yeah, know that must be something since. because like <laughs> yeah. once, it, I mean, it's a song that became kind of a banner for a generation, really. There's yeah. probably not 25 songs that we can name that have had as much impact as Oceans has in the worship mo movement of churches. And so I, I'm assuming that everybody wants you to sing that. They're waiting for that to come out of you. Yeah. And um, has it still been like, do you have to like muster up your, here we go again? Or is it like, <laughs> no, I'm present with the song. Like the, well, I think something that I've learned from a young age is um, singing with conviction. Mm. There's nothing like it because if I am paying attention to the words that are coming out of my mouth and, I, and I'm so thankful as well for all the songwriters we have within church, you know, it's all based on scripture, but we also have theologians, yeah. you know, Robert, Pastor Robert and Amanda who go over these songs line by oh, line amazing. and they like use their red texture and then send it back and it, and it says like, this actually doesn't make theological sense and whereabouts in the, you know, and um, this is actually the correct way of, you know. And so I'm so grateful for that because it means I'm stewarding and singing songs that are theologically sound and um, line up with what we believe as Christians. Yeah. And um, and I know everyone has debates of like, ah, what about this like theologian? <laughs> and like, we're all human, there's yeah. grace, thank you, Jesus. But um, I'm thankful for that because, you know, when we speak the word of God, it's it's powerful the word of god is eternal and um and so when we're singing it it becomes like this sweet revelation and so for me um hopefully if i was in that complacent place which i hope i'm not um hopefully it would only take me a couple of bars as soon as i'm speaking wow. this like oh, i love that you're saying song. yeah because it really is how we it's how we read the bible too it's like you know sometimes we don't want to read the bible sometimes we don't want to worship sometimes we don't yeah. want to pray but when we activate the word when we yes. activate our faith no matter where we're at it's like that it's it's that component that's god inside of us yes. that when we come to agreement yes something happens i think it's so mm -hmm. important especially for worship because i'm sure people just expect you to be as present as you were the yeah. first night you sing it that it was awesome yeah do that for us right here like do that yeah. in this crowd do that yeah. on this album 
and to actually identify that and be able to speak that yeah. as profound. Now, now you've had a prolific career since then with Hillsong United and also just in the Hillsong movement, but even beyond. But during after the pandemic, you've been married now, which is amazing. After yeah. the pandemic, you guys are maybe, <laughs> you can tell me when, you guys felt to move to Orange County and to be a singer-songwriter yeah. of your own album. Take us on that journey. Like, what yeah. was that all about? That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> Crazy God thing. Um, I'll preface it all by saying started writing when I was 17. I was only writing by myself just, you know, in this little room. You actually started had. writing. I saw an interview where you started <laughs> writing when you were a little girl, running around, oh, writing yes. songs all yeah. the time. This is I don't know if I remembered like, <laughs> the <laughs> totally three. Great. I was just singing yeah. whatever was in my heart, and my mom was like, and you've never been quiet since. Wow. <laughs> Which I think she said it with a bit of a I have a two cheeky girls grin. who uh, sing all the time. So, I mean, I literally, they're that. doing their homework and they're singing. Yes. And so when I, when I saw a little clip of the interview <laughs> from you, I was like, that's my daughter. Yes. <laughs> you give me help. Budding, budding songwriters, let's go. Worship yeah. leaders, yes. And so, but it wasn't until like 17 that mm -hmm. I would, you know, write it, write it out and try and like remember it and all that. And then 21, I moved to Sydney. Yeah. And then because I was working in retail, it was like, do I buy a piano, which is what my primary instrument that I write on. Mm -hmm. um, grew up like playing classical music, which I'm grateful for. But when I write, it's with my ear. So I can figure out what the chords are later, but it's more like feeling and, yeah. and feel. And um, do I buy a piano or do I eat? And I was like, ah, I'm going to eat. So then I kind of like just push the piano thing out of the way. And I'm speaking of my husband, um, because I didn't have a piano, I just kind of stopped writing. And then mm. I kind of use it laziness as well. Like I'm busy and, you know, just it's fine, it's fine. And I kind of felt like it was Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, not the gifts, but um, the little money bags that this master gave yeah. these three servants and said, I want you to, um, you know, bring a return for what I give you. When I come back, I'm going to see what you've done with it. Gave five to one, three to another, one to another. And while that, when the master came back, the five had doubled it, had 10, the person who had three doubled it to six. The one who had one said, you're a stern master. I was so worried. So I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to do anything. So I just buried it. Here it is. I haven't lost it, but here yeah. it is. And he said, I'm so disappointed. You didn't even put it in a bank to gain interest. You can now, I'll take that off you and you can go where there's gnashing of teeth, which is like a version of hell where God is not. And so then I got the fear of the Lord going, oh, I've buried something and I know that even if no one's to hear it, like we're meant to be good stewards. Because yeah. again, like results and everything else, that's God's territory. That's not my territory. Like what it, whatever he wants to do or not do because I do this because I love you. And this is my worship to you, my whole life laid down, like Romans 12, you know, every day eating, sleeping, walking around life, I place it before you in view of your mercy. This is my true and proper worship, holy, yeah, pleasing to you. Scriptures too. You're Me, using my yeah. scriptures, it's There's great. Like, well, yeah, <laughs> I love it. Um, and so I knew I wasn't wow. being a good steward in that regard. But I also um, had a kind friend that just said, hey, I feel like there's an area in your life, you know, um, and she did mention songwriting. She's like, you're not going to have to force it. God's going to bring around oh, the right so people good. the right time. So I did have So all that. the songs you were doing at United, uh, Hillsong United, they were all written for you. All written, yeah. So you hadn't had no. exercises talent at all <laughs> for a while. Yeah, and wow. there was one song that I, um, in United, that I got to like co-write called Clean on the People Tour. But um, that was with Hannah Hobbs and Matt, uh, Michael Fatkin. And they're amazing writers. And I will say Hannah's like, 
she's like one of my best friends yeah. and she's tried for so many years to get me to write and she because she's known yeah. but like I've, I never showed her my own stuff that I had written because it sounded a bit different and I was just a bit shy which is so silly I'm known for my voice yet this is a thing that I struggled to bring up in a songwriting session wow. and so I do have a credit on that song which I think is the grace of God it is just so powerful like your voice your songwriting and I love that this is who you've become and what you're working on now. But this started in the lockdown. You start writing these songs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who writes songs during the lockdown, especially in Australia? Because your lockdown yeah. in Australia was intense. It was true lockdown. I mean, I thought LA was hard because we're pretty liberal <laughs> I, in LA. Yes, no. But I mean, yours was a whole other level. So so yeah. you're there. You start mm -hmm. to write songs. That's a hard process. And you didn't do like, I'm going to release a single. You did a whole album of 14 songs. Yes. This yes. is old this school. is like kind of old school. Like you, you even said it was old school. <laughs> Yeah. This is a huge, a huge project. I've only heard three of them. But tell me about the process. You were just telling me some things, why we were listening to the songs. You were just telling me some things. Tell me about this process of working on this and what happened. Yeah, it was um, wild. Uh, I count it such a privilege that I've been able to do a deep dive in songwriting and get to steward my own songs. Um, yeah. You know, God's so kind. He's just always working in the background. And um, it was around 2019, even a couple of years earlier, that the idea was floated. Like, hey, what about a Taya project? And when yeah. I say it was floated, it was through a group email to everyone in United. And they just happened to mention a Taya album. And I was like, what? No one told me about this. I was As like, really? Everything in your life, it sounds like <laughs> this is how it happens. God yeah. knew that I would yeah. need someone to like just kind of preface it, uh, preface it. So then I would just be like, okay, like maybe this is a God thing. And um, yeah, and so it resonated obviously, you know, deep down like, yes, I knew that I was meant to songwrite. I hadn't been doing it and I knew it was coming out. We kind of set it for, you know, first six months of 2020, we'll, you know, go to Nashville, we'll go to London, we'll do OC, like let's, you know, write it, write the Taya record. And then um, I had been praying, just saying, God, I need a word for me. Otherwise I can't do this because I'm coming from seven years of not songwriting. Yeah. How, like this is what, like a project, Lord, I need you to speak, please. It was our last um, gathering together before the world shut down, before the pandemic um, kind of became global news. And it was a women's conference. There was free worship. Brookie Lidgetwood was leading. Mm. Um, there was a gift moment. It was a, um, the gift happened to be for all the women. It was an eye mask and mindset awakening. It could have said a few other words, but I thought it was quite poignant. I put it on for 20 minutes. I would have looked like an idiot. I have photos and I'm just sitting there in a conference, just going, God, I'm not going to take this off until you speak to me. Like, wow. I, I need a word, please. And um, I felt like he gave me the words like, honey, I wish it was audible. It's more like an impression, like honey, that this album is to be sweet, palatable, easy to digest. And that as it goes down, honey, his healing qualities. So it would heal some deep things on the inside, perhaps wounds people didn't know were still sore and need attending to. Wow. And so I was like, okay, I got, I got the word, like, great. And then the world shut down. And so we pivoted to Zoom, which was a secret blessing because if I had been in person, I don't think it would be the album that we would hear today. It would be mm. a beautiful album, but I don't think it would be um, my album like this is. Yeah. Well, you had more time. More time. And um, I was, it took Zoom and writing, starting to co-write, when I say successfully, finishing songs and mm. successfully in the point of me raising my voice. If I'd been in rooms with people, I would have felt self-conscious which yeah. is so silly because I think I am a confident person because I know who I am and who I'm not and my identity is in Jesus. But I struggle with that area of raising my voice when it came to creatively adding my opinion. And so being in my home um, that I have like a with my husband, it's like a small, it was like a one-bedroom rental 
was in lockdown completely in Australia and um, wow. it was on Zoom at my own piano that my husband gave me um, as the first gift in our wow. marriage and he said, this comes with no strings attached. Um, I know that this is a place that has grown your relationship with Jesus and I know yeah. that that will you'll have this place again and this is a really special wow. space, but it comes with no strings attached. But I think new songs would come because that's where I meet with the Lord in worship yeah. and just as my hands touch the piano. What would you say about the album for people who need to listen to it? I pray that it is just that, that it would be like God said, that it would be something that you don't have to overthink. You can just put it on. And um, I'm not a complicated person. I'm simple. Um, I pray that it's simple truths yeah. about who Jesus is, um, that you would actually hear his voice louder than my own. That would be my greatest joy. Thank you for listening to this episode of TBN's Praise Podcast. If you enjoyed today's interview, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, share it with a friend, and consider leaving a review. We look forward to having you join us back here next week.